Welcome to Living Love, the radio broadcast ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Benton, Illinois. Our desire is to live love to God, to others, and the nations. We hope this week's broadcast will bless and encourage you. Now, let's dive into God's Word and see how we can live love today. If you have a Bible, and I hope that you do, you can go and turn with me to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Start off in verse 31 this morning. Last week we had a wonderful opportunity to look at, I think, one of the sweetest exchanges that we see between Jesus and his disciples. <clears throat> Jesus, having been a part of his ministry for quite a while, uh, decided to ask his disciples, hey, what are people saying about me? What do you, what do you hear people saying? And the, the response was, was positive. The response is, hey, people think you're, um, maybe some people think you're maybe John the Baptist. Some think you're, you're one of the prophets. Um, but Jesus said, hey, who do you think that I am? Who, are you, who do you believe I am? And Peter responded, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus looked at Peter with those beautiful words and said, blessed are you, Simon the Jew." For my Father has revealed this to you. People haven't revealed this to you. And just when we think that Peter's figured it out, Peter falls back into that disease that he suffered from called foot and mouth disease. I can relate well with Peter. I just kind of walk around with a shoe in my mouth half the week. You know, what, what's fun keeping it to yourself when you can say it out loud? That's just... That's... As we, some of y'all are learning that's, that's entirely too real. Some of you aren't even laughing. You're like, yeah, that's what you're like. Why, why are you like that? I think the reason why I'm like that is some I've heard, you know, there's more room outside than inside. <laughs> Something we've joked about through the years, or maybe, maybe it's kind of been joked about me. Um, in the absence of an opinion, I'll come up with one. Anybody like that? <laughs> it doesn't even have to be the opinion you agree with. My dad and I, through the years, got to see my parents this weekend, which was great to spend a little bit of time with them. And um, we have the, within our family, we have the spiritual gift of arguing. And we could argue and believe the same thing. It's amazing. It's like, like my dad will say something. It's like, oh, that's my, like we were watching some basketball. My dad will say something he agrees with. And I'm like, oh, man, now I got to take the other side. You ever, I mean, you ever find your, it's, I probably need counseling. It's okay. Um. No, Peter was just that guy. You thought he'd get it, and then the moment you think he gets it, he didn't quite get it. You ever found yourself in that situation? You think you get it, and the moment you think you get it, you realize you just don't get it. You don't get it all. I, th I think that's, that's probably the definition of going to school, you know, going, finding yourself in class. I, was a, um, I decided to not like myself, and in college, I decided to major in math, and so um, when I got when I got late into when I got late into my, my my college time and I was taking math classes that um, the numbers started disappearing and it just had letters I was like what did I what did I do and then I started taking classes that I didn't even know existed you ever find yourself in that situation where you're learning and you and you start taking something or you find out there's something out there that you didn't even know existed and you realize that you don't know anything about the very thing that you didn't know existed. And so all of a sudden, this, this is kind of, I'm not trying to blow anybody's mind here, but that's kind of like when you read something in God's word and realize there's something there that you didn't even know was there, but you don't know it. And so now you realize that there's, 
you even know you know even less today than you knew yesterday because there are things that you don't even know exist that is so often our encounter with God because what does God know God knows everything And with that knowledge, with God being an all-knowing kind of God, God does things, God has set things into motion that we have no concept of and that we have no idea why it's going that way. There are times where God reveals his plan. There are times where God reveals who he is. And if we're to be perfectly honest, We didn't even know it existed to begin with, and now that we know it exists, we're a little bit confused. That's exactly the situation that Peter finds himself in, really the disciples find themselves in, where God, Jesus, reveals his plan, and his plan is confusing, if not downright difficult for them to accept This morning, I want us to look at this question, what should we do when God's plan doesn't make sense to us? What should we do when God's plan doesn't make sense to us? Here in just a couple weeks, we're going to celebrate the resurrection. And I mean, come on, let's be honest, in 2023, that's not a difficult thing for us to celebrate. And one of the reasons why it's not a difficult thing for us to celebrate is because we celebrate looking back at what's already happened. And looking forward to what's to come. But on that Friday when Jesus said it is finished, there was nothing to celebrate. Because they didn't quite know what was about to happen. Even though Jesus told them. What should we do when God's plan doesn't make sense? Mark chapter 8 beginning in verse number 31. Let me read for a little bit then we'll do a little bit of unpacking. And on the heels of this conversation that Jesus had had with his disciples. Who do people say that I am? Some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say you're a prophet. People were saying he was a good guy. Yeah, but who do you say that I am? Peter declares, you're the Christ. You are the Christ. It says, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Could you imagine being part of that conversation? You ever, you ever been talking to someone and say, hey, I need to tell you something? And you just kind of like sit down and like, okay, what are you going to tell us? And they like drop a bomb on you. And you're like, you should have said, sit down and I got to tell you something. You ever had that kind of conversation? Where you just didn't see it coming? Jesus, as he begins to teach them, he says, hey, listen, son of man's going to suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And if we think he was unclear, read this. Mark says, and he said this plainly, which, which I believe says he said it clearly, but also he said it matter-of-factly. This is just what's going to happen. And Peter, who just before had declared that he is the Christ, says that Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And over in Matthew chapter 16, we see what what Peter says. Matthew tells us, Peter says, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Hey, 
what should we do when God's plan doesn't make sense? Jesus, this didn't make sense. What do you mean you're going to you're going to die. Not just are you going to die, you're going to die at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, the very people that you take behind the woodshed on a daily basis. They were notorious for asking Jesus questions, and Jesus, with almost, I, I imagine, a smirk on his face, responded with questions that they couldn't answer, or that they knew better not to answer. Because if they were to answer truthfully the questions Jesus asked, they would show that their initial questions were wrong in the first place. Jesus says, I'm going to be killed at the very hands of the people that I run theological circles around. And Peter says, no, you're not. What should we do when God's plan doesn't make sense? I think the first thing we should do when God's plan doesn't make sense is that we should trust even in the midst of the uncertainty, when God's plan doesn't make sense to us, we should still trust that his plan is perfect. What should we do when God's plan doesn't make sense to us? We should trust that his plan is perfect. As Jesus dropped this bombshell on those listening, I could only imagine the things that they were saying. Yes, Peter had responded with a rebuke going, no, this is never going to happen. But I can only imagine the other things they were thinking. Was Jesus conceding that eventually the Pharisees would take his life? Surely this couldn't be the case. Was he giving up? Is it too hard for him? Man, surely he's mistaken. See, it's easy for us to Monday morning quarterback this situation and go, I never would have said that. We're all a bunch of liars if we say that. If we're in the midst there of that conversation with Jesus as he is declaring who he is, one of our, one of our counterparts has just declared that he is the Christ and Jesus affirms that. Remember, the Christ is more than just his name, Jesus. To be the Christ means that Jesus was the anointed one. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. How can you be the Savior if you are dead? When Jesus' plan doesn't make sense, we must trust still that his plan is perfect. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 tells us those familiar verses, trust in the Lord with most of your heart. See what kind of church brats we had in the room this morning. That's great. The eyes just went bloop. It was so much fun. Some of y'all were already texting people going, we need to have a meeting. Just kidding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Don't trust in the Lord with most of your heart. Don't trust in the Lord with a good chunk of your heart. Don't trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And to trust in the Lord with all of your heart means to lean not on any of your understanding. See, your mind will get in the way of this one. Your reasoning won't make sense when it comes to God's plan. Your logic will run counter to God's your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and then he will make your path straight. And the reason why he can make your path straight is because his plan 
is perfect. What should we do when God's plan doesn't make sense? We must trust that his plan is perfect. But trusting that his plan is perfect doesn't mean that, does it mean that now, like magically, we now understand everything that Jesus has said? No. You can trust that God's plan is perfect and still not understand his plan. So when we don't understand God's plan, when God's plan doesn't make sense, we trust that his plan is perfect, but then I think it's okay to admit when we're confused and when we don't understand. It's okay to admit that. Do you, do you ever feel like you're, you're, you're supposed to have all the answers? Has anybody ever come to you in a, in a difficult situation and they just want you to give them the right answer and you're sitting there going, I don't know the right answer? That is a daily occurrence as a follower of Jesus. Not as a pastor. That is a daily occurrence as a follower of Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus and you are doing what you should do, which means living in community with other people, people will come to you on a regular basis and ask you why. Why did this happen? Why does it have to happen this way? And if we're completely honest and we don't want to give some kind of church answer, which it's okay to, it's okay to say, hey, listen, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's a good one to default to. But just because we trust in the Lord with all of our heart doesn't mean that we understand everything that's going on. In fact, if we're trusting God with all of our heart, we will find ourselves in many situations where we don't understand what's going on. Yet we continue to trust. When God's plan doesn't make sense, it's okay to admit when we're confused. It's okay to acknowledge that we don't understand. And I think it's even okay, particularly okay, to take, those, that, to take that confusion and that lack of understanding to the Lord. But that's not what Peter did. Peter clearly did not understand what Jesus was saying, and instead of acknowledging his confusion and his lack of understanding, he chose something else. See, Jesus can handle questions and confusion. And, and I think that's something where we, we maybe at times get it wrong in the church. We encourage people not to ask questions of God. Hey, hey listen, just trust in the Lord. No, it's, he can handle your questions. He's a really big God. If he can handle Job's situation, I think he can handle your situation. If he can handle Job's 38 chapters of complaining and questions, which some of you can write more than that, that's okay. I'm telling you, God can handle it. But think back to the life of Job, to the story of Job. What's the one thing Job said he wouldn't do? He wouldn't curse God. He questioned God. But he, didn't, but he didn't curse God. See, Jesus can handle questions and confusion, but there honestly is no room for rebuking or rebelling against God. But that's not what Peter did. See, Peter didn't just ask questions. No, he rebuked the Lord. Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Over in Matthew 16, verse 22. It says there in 32, after he had said this plainly, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And, and here's the reason why. Peter had a different view of the Messiah. Yes, he was willing to acknowledge that Jesus was the Christ, but in doing so, he saw this view of the Messiah as being one of victory. 
And how can you be victorious if you are dead? That did not, Peter could not reconcile that within his mind. His heart could not accept that. He saw Jesus as victorious, not dead. And how could he be the conqueror if the very men who needed to be overthrown would be the ones who would put him in the grave? That made no sense to Peter. And so he pulls Jesus aside and he rebukes them. And like I said, Jesus can handle the questions, but rebuking is out of the question. Jesus couldn't let it go. Jesus wasn't going to let it go. So after Peter rebukes Jesus says, but turning and seeing his disciples, meaning Jesus turned around and saw that the disciples were listening in on this conversation, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Harsh words. When was the last time you looked at somebody and said, get behind me, Satan? Don't confess to that one. I can't think of really a stronger thing to say to someone. It's not that Jesus went from acknowledging Peter's confession as Jesus in the Christ is the Christ to now saying, "Oh, Peter's lost and done." No. Peter had to be dealt with. Jesus needed to help Peter see his folly. The rebuke might seem strong, but really what was happening is Peter's rebuking of Jesus was similar to the temptation of Christ in the desert. What did Satan want to get Jesus to acknowledge? He was trying to get Jesus to acknowledge that, that Satan was better than God. He was twisting scripture for his own benefit. And if 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 Satan could have accomplished what he was trying to accomplish, what, what could have never happened? Jesus never could have gone to the cross. Jesus' mission is what? To seek and to save lost people. And a necessary step in that mission was the cross. Jesus had to go to the cross in order to save lost people. A sacrifice had to be made, and he was the only sacrifice that could be made. Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. Peter needed rebuking because he needed to understand the error of his ways. Peter also needed to be rebuked because other people heard what was going on. And Jesus couldn't let it go. He couldn't let it go unchecked because in doing so, it would have had a negative impact on the people around him. If Peter, Jesus had just pulled Peter aside quietly and said, hey, listen, man, you've, you've way overstepped. And there are times for that. No, Peter made a declaration out loud. Hey, you're not going to accomplish what you just said you're going to accomplish. Peter not only needed to know that Jesus' plan was right, everybody else needed to know it as well. When we don't understand God's plan, when his plan doesn't make sense, it's okay to admit when we're confused. It's okay to admit that we don't understand. It's not okay to look at God and say, your plan is wrong. That's not okay. And the way that we 
combat that rebuking desire maybe within our hearts. An alternative to rebuking is this. Jesus gives it to him. He says, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. In the midst of un, a lack of understanding, when we are confused with the plans of God, what should we do? We should set our mind on the things of him and not on the things of people. See, when it comes to God's plan, often God's plan doesn't make sense because within the, the constrained limits of this world, God's plan will never make sense. At some point tonight, what are you going to do? You're going to go to sleep. Or something else said to church. That's fine too. No. At some point today, you're going to go to sleep, right? And tomorrow morning, you're going to wake and you're going to start anew. See, God's given us that 24-hour thing. That's for our sake, not for his. God doesn't operate on restraints. God doesn't have left and right limits. And God's plan is not a restrained plan. God's plan is not a limited plan. No, God's plan is a plan that spans across eternity. Eternity in the negative and eternity in the positive. He has always been, he will always be. And that's the way that God does planning. That doesn't make sense to us, and it's really never going to make complete sense. So since it will never make complete sense, what does us best is to set our minds on the things of God and not the things of man. What should we do when God's plan doesn't make sense? We trust that his plan is perfect. We admit when we are confused. And then the last thing is we follow after Jesus. And, and the, idea, the idea here is that we keep following after Jesus. It says in verse 34, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. When we find ourselves in a situation where we don't understand God's plan, when God's plan doesn't make sense, we trust his plan is perfect, we admit when we are confused and then we follow after Jesus. And we keep following after Jesus. And not to be overly prescriptive, he kind of gives us some steps that we are called to take. If you're to follow after Jesus, you must deny yourself. One writer wrote this, said to deny yourself is to say, that, is to say no to selfish interests and earthly insecurities. Self-denial is not denial of one's personality. It's not to die as a martyr or to deny like material things, even though that could be something that God calls you to. No, to deny self is to turn away from the idolatry of self-centeredness in every attempt to orient one's life by the dictates, by the dictates of self-interest. To deny self is to say, 
my ambitions, my desires, my self-centeredness is not going to mesh with following after God. You cannot follow after Jesus and be driven by your self-interest. That does not mesh. If you are to follow after Jesus, you must set aside your self-interests and follow after his interests. That's what it means to deny self. That's kind of a negative thing. But on the flip side, he gives us a positive thing. Negative thing, deny self. Positive thing, take up your cross. And to take up your cross is to say yes to God's will and to say yes to his way in your life. If you're going to take up your cross, you're saying, God's, God, your will is preeminent in my life, not my own will. And in doing so, you are willing to lay down your life for the cause of Christ, not your own cause. To follow after Jesus means to deny self, means to take up your cross, and it means to continue to do so. He says, says there in 34, hey, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Following after Jesus is not a one-time thing. Following after Jesus is not a singular trip down the aisle. Following after Jesus is not a, hey, let's get baptized. Those are, those are single events. No, following after Jesus is a day-by-day pursuit. You don't follow after Jesus once. You continue in your life following after him. And that is what Jesus demands of you if you were going to call yourself a follower of his. And when you follow after him, you do so without shame. You don't say, I'll follow you as long as it benefits me. Because the result is pretty devastating if you don't. For whoever is ashamed of me, verse 38, and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Following after Jesus is a difficult thing. Following after Jesus might be uncomfortable at times. Following after Jesus might put you in situations that are not your first desire. But get over it. That's that's what he's saying. You can't follow after him and be ashamed. Because if you follow after Jesus or attempt to do so, yet are ashamed of who he is, There will be a day to where he is ashamed of you. And and that's those devastating words in Matthew chapter 7. Where people will one day stand before the Lord. And he will look at them and say, I never knew you. Oh, church. That grieves my heart. That scares me to no end. That scares me because I think that's going to be my situation. I surely hope not. But it scares me to think that there are people in our midst who think that they are doing enough. And the truth is, if we are to to deny self and take up our cross, we are acknowledging that we cannot do enough. Only Jesus is enough. When God's plan doesn't make sense. We follow after Jesus. And I'll be honest, earlier in the week when I was putting this together, I put we follow him sacrificially, but I took out the word sacrificially because there's no other way to follow. There aren't two ways to follow Jesus. 
See, God's not calling some of you to sacrificially follow and others just to follow. No, to follow is to follow sacrificially. It's to deny who you are, not your personality, but to deny that your self-interests do not trump God's self-interests. To follow after him is to take up your cross to say, God, your will is preeminent. Because to not do so means that you're going to try to go through life and save your own life. And what does Jesus say? You can't save your own life. It is absolutely impossible for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Church, there's no other option. There's no other course of action. You've heard me say it before. You'll hear me say say it again. I am so thankful God made it this simple. I am so thankful there is but one way. And I'm here to tell you this morning, Jesus is the way. Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of Living Love. If this message has impacted you in any way, please let us know. If you would like to contact us, find out more about our church, or if you'd like to support our mission, visit ibcbenton.com. That's ibcbenton.com. Or give us a call at 618-439-3513. That's 618-439-3513.